0: It's Craggy's Connacht Rugby Podcast. We're out here in Ballinahown in the excellent TG Car Studios where we commentated today because Connacht were down in South Africa. And they got a fantastic win. May not have been a fantastic game. May not have been the greatest performance of all time, but they got the win. Rob Murphy, you were on commentary today. That was something else, wasn't it?
1: It was wonderful. I mean, it was glorious. Connacht will be selling this DVD. Did anyone sell DVDs anymore? Show your age there, Rob. In the club shop. Do we have a club shop? It's online. You know what I'm saying. You get the picture. They won't be. But uh, I tell you what, though. The little four-minute URC highlights package that'll uh, show the brilliant J.J. Henry kick. I think a few people watch that again. And uh, Actually, do you know what? Some of you diehards out there who uh, are absolute legends for uh, shelling out your €5 Euro plus vat to us, guys, and we appreciate it. Uh, spread the word. Thanks for your support. I think you're the type of people who will watch some of that second half at the very least just to watch the brilliant defending, uh, determination, character in that group. So, yeah, we're joking here off-air. There were some periods of the game where Connick just looked a million miles off-scoring uh, and there were other minutes where it just they looked full of character and determination. A great result.
0: It was. And, William, you're on co-commentary um Our fifth win in South Africa. I know. Is it five?
1: Is it was it it, one, two, three, four, five?
0: Five in in ten appearances. Like you know, it's a fifty percent. (laughs) Fifty percent stat that that we you know we can let people know that you know and I've I've helped create uh, put it back out into the Twitterverse that you know it isn't just one win, Um, but that's still a hell of a performance. I know the Sharks hadn't won a game all season, but the pressure was on them.
2: Yeah, the pressure was on the Sharks, actually, and the whole point was that Connacht just about kept enough pressure on them to 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 get it done. It, it really changed in the about, about the 65th minute. I think the Sharks, um, a point down, didn't know what to do. Sorry, they they were ahead. They were leading 12-10. Then they went behind, and after that, they really couldn't figure out what they were at in terms of w- were they going to attack with real pace and width. There was a few guys that went missing. There wasn't a lot of cohesiveness. And Connock just kept making tackles and tackles and kept the pressure on them, squeezed them, um, which is what they had to do. Now, you could argue that Connock didn't impose themselves at any time in the game. And that'll disappoint them because I think if they'd actually really got stuck in here, they could have done rather better than a one-point win. But then they could also have lost this game if the Sharks were a better finishing side. That is a steal. It's a great escape. Get out of town, take your four points and just move on.
0: Yeah, monster fans would look at that and go, that's the way to win a game in South Africa. <laughs> OK, before we get back to Rob and William, let's hear the post-match press conference where we hear from the Sharks coach, John Plumtree, and then Connock's very happy Pete Wilkins.
3: Look, I'm loving the, our mindset. Like they're doing everything that I'm asking them to do. You know, so um, I've got to take some responsibility for that as well. You know, like we were, we're still not quite clinical enough. Uh, we're getting those opportunities, and just not not ruthless. Um, probably inside the 22, and um, you know, we played the most rugby tonight. I'm really proud about that because that's what I've come here to do. But um, yep, we, you know, our lineout didn't function quite as well as it could have. Um, and it's just some of our little opportunities that we've taken, you know, a media or two out from the line, not ruthless enough. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, and I'm hurting mainly for the team because they're trying real hard and they're not getting any reward. Um, and they're in a young group and um, it's really tough for them because, like I said, every week we, we're working but we, we're just not quite getting over the line. So we've lost two games by one point. And uh, another game before that, we could have been a lot better against the Ospreys, but yeah, that's that's footy, but um, we'll get there.
1: Uh, Pete, like, first things first, um it's a massive win. Like, I mean, we can dissect it left, right and centre, and you know we will, but uh, resilience and determination. Uh, we heard your players speaking on the TV broadcast afterwards, um, crediting the defensive work and so on and so forth. But there must be a really nice vibe in that dressing room before you start analysing anything else to get that victory.
4: Yeah, thank you, Robert. Like, I think it's an exhausted dressing room. Uh, like, it was uh, <laughs> an unbelievable battle in, in terms of... You know, obviously, warm conditions for us, but just the intensity and quality that the Sharks brought, I, I thought they were, a, they were a terrific side, and, and you know we had to hang in there. And as you said, some, some really sustained periods of defense. Um, the, the kick chases, the dives on the loose ball, it was a lot of those, I suppose, behavioral aspects that, um, that kept us in the game, uh, and we felt we would always get a chance or two in that last 20 minutes. Um, we, we're back to our bench and probably back to our fitness as well. Uh, but at the same time, you've still got to avoid panicking when they do come. And, and I just thought the composure showed from the lads after the work put in was, was really impressive.
1: Um, it's the fifth time connect of one in South Africa now, which will probably surprise a few people. But it is very much something that this group uh, takes on board. It seems to be something that you guys want in their character, that they're able to go so far away to find a way I mean almost did it against the Stormers in the playoff semi-final last year uh, and they got their rewards tonight against the head if, if, if we're being fair the Sharks probably should have won it
4: yeah I, I think in terms of um, you know you earn the right to, to be in the game with 20 minutes to go and I, I think there's there's flows in that I thought we were you know, certainly on the wrong end of the, the possession of the territory in the first 20 minutes and, and we probably spent the next 20 minutes scrambling but um, we had key lessons from two years ago we came here I thought we played much better in the first half here two years ago and we came out after half time and the Sharks ramped up the intensity and the big forwards came around the corner and we couldn't handle them. And in the end, uh, you know, we ended up getting blown away by that. So we knew that was coming. We knew it was coming at the start of the game in terms of, um, you know, the Sharks, you know, determination and desperation, you know, playing in front of their home crowd for the first time this year. And we knew it would come again after half time. So I think you earn the right to be in the fight. Um, and there's enough little moments that, that keep you in there. And as I said, then you need the composure to take advantage of it. So, uh, you know, I'm, re- I'm really pleased and really proud of the lads.
1: It's funny you say little moments we were picking them out like Dominic Robertson-McCoy had a carry the gutty guy across the gain line to kind of turn the flow. Uh, Dave Hawkshaw had a few moments but one in particular is sliding on that ball on halfway to rescue a really dangerous situation. There, and Sean O'Brien I could probably pick out about four of his many, many tackles that were critical. They're the kind of things that win matches, aren't they?
4: Yeah, they are. And I think that's where our bench was was very important for us. You mentioned a couple of those, Dave Hawkshaw in particular. You know, they're little moments that, um, you know, they might be non-skill moments, they might be skill moments. But, uh, you know, you've got to be at 100% and uh, reacting before anyone else. I thought he was fantastic in those areas. Byron Ralston as well in terms of the work he put in on the kick chase to dive on a loose ball at the end of one of those kicks. Absolutely crucial in terms of just winning those 50-50s. And uh, so we're up against a very good team this evening and a good team that's going to get better and better over these coming weeks. So, uh, you know, you're, you're reliant on those behavioural bits to to put you in a position to um, to remain in the contest.
1: Uh, I heard JJ Hanron mention camera four moments. I, I pres- I, I'm surmising he means those things that are kind of away from the 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 clear cut images and, and the and the groundwork that's been done, that that must be something that you're really happy with tonight.
4: Yeah, I think those those moments that sort are of off the ball or away from the ball that, that might not be seen by, you know, the average person watching. You know, that's something that, that Connacht at their best, you know, throughout the generations have, have always been Um, you know, highly charged in those moments. I think for us, you know, we obviously want to play a possession-based game. It certainly wasn't that this evening. Um, You know, the Sharks made sure of that. But, you know, we want to play some ambitious rugby, but at the same time, we have to be true to to what Connick's been about, and uh, you know, historically, and, and certainly when they've had success in recent times. So, You know, the work ethic off the ball and, um, you know, the moments that maybe cover a slight mistake from from your teammate that make sure that those errors don't become become terminal in a scoreboard sense. Um, You know, we we pride ourselves on those those. and sometimes it's beautiful rugby and other times it's just sheer character. And I, I thought tonight was all about the character.
1: You say possession-based rugby. On a few occasions, phase after phase, you were going backwards. Is there a kicking game that needs to be developed in those moments if the Bulls come at you with that kind of intensity and defence? Is there other ways to get around it? Do you feel like that might be something you'll have to develop?
4: Um, I think there's a kicking game already there. I actually thought on the whole we, we kicked really intelligently and, and, and executed pretty well this evening, I thought, in terms of um, you know, JJ's longer kicking game. But, but Cullen Riley especially, for, to come in at nine, first game of the season and play, you know, I think it was 61 minutes, and um, the work in that first 20 to 30 minutes to clear our lines... Under pressure from the base of the ruck, I I thought Cullum did a terrific job there. And when Caelan Blade came off the bench, you know, he gave us some really important leadership around the group. um, But he also box kicked really well from that sort of 40 to 50 metre range. So, you know, we know it's there. It's probably us picking and choosing when to use it. But uh, we've got to have a balanced game if we're going to go anywhere in the competition. And, um, you know, tonight it was backs against the wall. And, um, you know, we fought our way out of it.
1: Last one for me there's a huge opportunity against the Bulls uh, to to do something outrageous and go five and six but right now is it a shot to nothing would you think of it that way in terms of you've started the season so well no one's going to really expect two from two over in South Africa
4: uh, I think it depends on your expectations. I, probably the outside world would say to us that, you know, if you get one win on tour, that's a, that's a good return. Uh, maybe it is. I, I think for us, you know, we'll, we'll prepare in the same way we did for the Sharks. It's an opposition team that we know is going to be unbelievably tough in, in challenging and slightly different conditions again. Uh, but we'll back ourselves to go in there with a game plan and, and with a 23 that we think can win it. So look, we'll enjoy it this evening and, um, you know, then we'll start to build from, from Monday onwards. Okay, yeah, Rob, that's,
0: you know, there isn't a whole hell of a lot to talk about in the game, really, because there wasn't a whole hell of a lot that went on, apart from lots of tackling and drop balls and mistakes and whatever. But, you know, from my point of view, I was looking at it going, Sean O'Brien is some find. He's the third Sean O'Brien to score a try for Connacht in the last four years, probably three years, actually. I think it was 2020 when our original Sean O'Brien scored a try against Zebra and then Sean Garrett O'Brien scored a try uh, while he was here. He's playing for Munster these days.
1: What does the F stand for in Sean F? Finn? Sean Finn O'Brien. Finn.
0: I had it in the stats last week, but I forgot to put it in I this was week. I meant <laughs> to say because
1: I wasn't here last week, and I was like, "He's just giving me an F." <laughs> yeah,
0: sorry about that. No, I, I think
1: Sean that. Finn O'Brien has a great sound to it as well. It That's, does. I that, I think that we he should, should be just writing them,
0: Sean Finn. <laughs>
1: oh, of course, he, he belongs out in the west coast of Connemara. We're in Connemara right now, yeah, writing, writing stories in the pub. But he also belongs. Uh, in the fields of uh, Connemara really cuz he could uh, he could work the hills he could work the farms no bother he's a monster man uh, a great ball carrier uh, massive just,
0: work rate massive yeah work he rate.
1: comes from that group and stop me if I'm I'm way off here but there's a certain group of players that come through the school system in Leinster that just fit into Connick so well it's mm. like there's just like there's just something about it that's just there's a looseness to it but then there's, there's a, an application a task there's a kind of a wild element obviously to, to push on the Connemara theme a little bit um, but yeah maybe I'm just trying to make him more of a conic man than he is uh, it's just well I look, suppose his, yeah. his,
0: if you look at his, his sir, 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 circuitous route in order to start playing professional rugby where he's had to bounce around had to go to LA because of COVID COVID had a big impact on his early career because mm. um, he was he was in that under 20s team along with Kean Prendergast and Andrew Smith who were looked like they were going to win a grand slam and got shut down um, because COVID stopped them uh, in their tracks. So and then had to go to to LA to get some game time. But William, like having guys like him, and then the other person who's standing out for me is who's come from absolutely nowhere is Ty McElroy. Like that guy wasn't even on the books in August, and now he's starting his second game in a row.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think Sean O'Brien's possibly been on their eye line for a while. Colly Cully Tucker was in charge of his forward play at under-20s. And uh, he has come in. and, and um, Look, I he's only played two games, but he really has made you look up and take notice. Because he um, he's something we haven't had for a while at eight. Now, it'll be interesting to see when we see Sean Janssen as well at eight, what he brings. The situation with Ty McElroy is fascinating. He's a guy who, in his early career... Was supposed to come to the Connacht Academy, went off to Saracens, which was a decision that I think, be blunt, annoyed a few people in the IRFU and Connacht. And then he bounced around. He was finished. He played a bit of rugby at Bedford. He went down into there, was effectively the second division. Um, but maybe he's learned a lot about what he's actually uh, doing in terms of. Um, he's had that experience and I think possibly he feels now maybe he was in the last chance saloon and he's absolutely grabbed it uh, and he's also got a bit of rugby experience around him he's been down in the the netherland of national rugby in England and now he's back playing with this team and he seems to have forced his way through uh, he's a very good scrummager Scrum today was immense. Now, they aren't renowned as a great scrummage inside, and of course, they're missing a few of their South African pack players. Um, really interesting in their press conference, um, the John Plumtree talked about them doing, it was a bit of a dig, I felt, where he said, oh, th- those players are off doing commercial stuff.
0: And, and during the week, he talked about the fact that he was hoping that when they come back, that they'll have sobered up. Now, I know he made a joke of it, but you got the impression he's he sort of had enough of the fact that those guys have celebrated enough at this stage.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. He's an outsider in South Africa. He's from New Zealand. Um, I think he's on thin ice. You don't get much ice in South Africa, but I think he is at the moment. They, you know, They expect better from their teams and I don't blame them for celebrating. Uh, When we next chat to Brendan Nell, I'll be getting in to the political side of of this win. I think it's very different to the other wins, even 2019. It's pretty obvious now that Saya Khaleesi is this huge figure in world sport. Um, He's in New York at the moment doing something. He's all over the American media. But I think for some old-fashioned people in South Africa, it's quite tricky what's happened. And John Plumtree is there. I've lost five games these guys are coming back to me next week. I don't know what state they're going to be in. It's it's just pressure. And it was a snappy press conference. Um, he was asked a question. He answered it. The next next journalist, try not to do this. He asked exactly the same question. He just said, I've answered that. You can feel the pressure. He thought today. They thought today. This was their relieve the pressure game. We're going to beat these boys. And... They didn't. They lost by a point, and they are going to be sitting there and going, how did that happen? Well, that's sport, and that's what happens when you start winning games and winning. Connacht are good at winning. They won six out of seven. They won six in a row last season, this year, but this last season, to get to the quarterfinals. They won the quarterfinal. They're used to winning. It's a habit. It's a great habit to have. And the thing is, it just says on the score, Sharks 12, Connacht 13, there's nothing about the game and the stuff that went on. Um, and you wouldn't win a game like that twice in a season, but they've done it once and they've, they've got the result.
1: And William, in, in, those sh- in that short period of time, and just looking at it here, they've used three different loose heads, Connacht that is. They've used uh, three different tight heads. I mean that's really really good news. Like we know how good Andrew has been, and then Belem comes back and and plays superbly well. I thought Robertson McCoy made a massive impact. Dooley won a couple of penalties. It was a battle there. I'm not sure it was perfect and smooth, but he really put in a good effort. And you got Buckley playing really well in that game as well. So this is this is huge. Like and Alan's already mentioned Ty McIlroy in terms of the hookers.
2: Yeah, interesting thing about McIlroy was he he gave away a penalty, and the, the referee gave him a bit of a talking to, uh, but then he went up the field and won a penalty. Uh, There is depth. We've talked for years that there's no depth. Uh, It's been a continual issue. We've tried maybe sometimes to talk up players who were part of the depth, who maybe just weren't quite good enough. It's not that they didn't try as hard as they could, but they reached uh, the top of their, their plateau, but it wasn't high enough. But you feel now that there's an interchangeability there. There are some players that are maybe uh they're for they won't they they never use these terms but there are guys who maybe are their first teamers for your strongest team but the gaps are tightening and tightening between the guy that gets selected because we just think he's slightly better than the other player the gaps used to be quite big and you'd see it straight away and some people seem to have really kicked on i mean Dominic Robertson McCoy has bobbled around Connacht for years yeah. always Fairly well talked up, but you were sometimes, and I, he certainly that red card that he got, he improved after that. He looks a different player this year, but you know, some coaches work uh, for people, and new coaches come in and they find a way of doing it.
1: Alan says in his stats here, too, only two starts in the last two seasons, but eight was the highest he's ever done. Yeah. But if he's going to make an impact like that, another critical. Uh, Cog in terms of uh, the wheel if you want to take that point up too Alan but I just want to note that Tiernan O'Halloran he he lasted to the end but maybe picked up a knock we'll see more concern is Cahill Ford picked up a knock and Andrew Mm. Smith so it's going to test the depth is Hawkshaw now second to Ford maybe ahead of Daly in terms of putting him in at 12 because I think the 12 role is critical to everything Connacht are doing obviously Ford has been world class let's be honest Mm. in terms of his start to season if he's gone who takes 12? Bundy before Bundy, goes.
0: I'm talking about the Bulls next week. I'm Don't be joking, a smart, joking, uh, smart aleck here. Um, yeah, yeah but is, I did ask it in that way, so yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah, it. Now yeah, that yeah, I think yeah. about it, I in next week. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd expect Hawkshaw because he's, for me, he's he's one of my favourite players that we have. The he's the football intelligence he has, the sheer aggressiveness he has for a small man. He is incredibly aggressive, and that was what Connock struggled with most today. Was the power of the hits that. And they actually, as I go back and listen, I went back and sort of had a mental listen of what they'd said during the week about what they expect from Connacht. They'd said about the fact that Connacht like to go wide, but only after they've gone through the middle first. And every time a Connacht player in that first half tried to go short, there was two Sharks players hitting them, practically every time. In the second half, when the subs came on, the the Sharks bench wasn't quite as good and the Connacht players weren't going for the straight hit. They were trying to use footwork. And again, Sean O'Brien was one of the ones that started that, using his feet to get himself a little, get a soft shoulder rather than trying to smash through them, because they did struggle with those
2: hits. Yeah, one of the things that fascinated me about uh, Joey, who was on yesterday in in the press conference uh, with us, you might have heard it on our preview piece, he said they view Connacht as the most physical Irish team. Now, that really surprised me. Wow. It doesn't surprise me about Leinster because they move the ball incredibly quickly, but I was thinking, okay, you've played Munster, you've played Ulster, but he said it, and he actually said it twice because a South African journalist said to him, he said, no, they are, we know they are going to be very, very physical. That's, uh, that's a good way to be, going to South Africa, that they're thinking that.
0: Yeah, and they showed it because they were really hitting us really, really hard, but then Connacht kind of learned to deal with it. And this is, again, we talked about resilience because... <laughs> You know, I had this conversation with Dave about three weeks ago about Connacht being more resilient than they've been ever before. And the other word that I liked um, Pete using today was character, that there's a character and there's a resilience. I was just looking back, in the ORC, since the start of January, Connacht have only lost three games, two of them by three points and two points, the other being the semi-final. And with three minutes to go, they were in four points of winning that game. That there is definitely something more about the team now this whole year. It's been building over time. And I know we're going into a really tough run of games. Leinster are playing Munster next week before they come and play us, so they'll be well primed <laughs> in the fact that they'll have had a, a you know a huge interpro before us. And then we've got the European games, but we do have another run of games in the sort of February-March time frame that Connor could get four or five more wins
1: yeah let's not forget lads it's Champions Cup time again and we know we talk about depth but we know if you take six or seven critical players out of this any team any team bar the absolute best teams it changes things so I I don't want to be the doomsday merchant as you accuse me of, William. But, I, you know, yeah, we have to acknowledge, Like, what I'm trying to think of how do we think of this differently, William. So, like, we have a tendency to overthink about, oh, right, there's another point in the bag, now the playoffs are here, maybe top four is on. But at the same time, maybe we just need to grind into enjoying the week that it is, you know, enjoying the rugby we're seeing in front of us and let what happens next happen. It's going to get very tough over Christmas, is
2: the point. Um, it is, but I think this side will handle that pressure better than any Connacht team. That I've seen, I, I I think I actually think Europe boils down to winning your two home games to get into the round of sixteen. It's set up that way now. You can almost let one of your away games go, just roll it over and say we're not bothering with that one. Like, that's not ideal, but the whole point is the way they've set this thing up. Even if you've lost three games, but maybe if you've picked up two bonus points, if you win your last game, you can still get into the round of sixteen. <laughs> and they, Connacht, have got the right. Position here, they've got Bordeaux coming. Who I don't know what sort of a side they'll bring. We they could be fantastic. Uh, Santiago Cadero sadly has come from them, but obviously he's not available for us at the moment. Uh, And then they finish up with Bristol. Now Bristol is a bit of a tricky one because there's going to be a lot of stuff around that game. But their first game is at home, and their last game is at home. So it's set up to get to the round of sixteen.
1: Let me let me finish on this, right, or not finish on this? You decide when we finish, Alan. But oh, right. well, just before you go, yeah. just
0: looking at Bordeaux, they've won three, lost three already. They're struggling. These are
1: all good signs for us. Yes, and and then the Champions Cup isn't like it used to be. Then all of a sudden, because mm. you can rotate a little bit. Now you don't want to go to Saracens and get smashed, but are Saracens as good as they were? Maybe not. Lots of looking ahead there. What about next week? Like, you know, we'll do a preview show, but I'm just wondering. I'm I'm just feeling good about things right now because of what I'm listening to after the game, so we were very fortunate on the TV coverage show to get Finley Bealham, Connor Oliver, and J.J. Hanrahan, and like what Conor Oliver said immediately as a captain was mm. I, just, the, I so much credit to the guys who came off the bench so he's a guy who comes off the field and he's putting the credit on his, his uh, squad members I, I like the way Conor Oliver thinks and talks through the game I think he's a great leader and a great choice for captain on the day mm. but also I liked what J.J. Hanron was saying they were talking about J.J. Hanron said we didn't really listen to Pete Wilkins he told us this is going to happen. Do you know, there's a great, uh, what's the word? And you guys know more because you're in more press conferences. But what I detect from not being in the press conferences is people are putting their hands up. There's a, What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of an ownership or yeah, everyone yeah. takes ownership of their own roles. Yeah. And it's self-aware and they're able to be self-critical. Uh, all these things mixed with what I think is possibly, oh, this is big, I'm going to say it, possibly the most impressive management backroom team I can ever remember. Certainly going back to Pat Lamb's group,
0: um, uh, it is, I, I said it at the start of the season this is the most impressive when you look at the CVs of the guys that we've got there compared to yeah. what we had before, we never had people who had won championships before in John Muldoon, we never in, in the coaching ticket now, um, we never had someone who'd won a European Cup in and, and was a what, 50 something caps Australian in Scott Fardy Scott Fardy, Scott Fardy. Um, then you've got Mark Sexton who's of one of the greatest uh, out halves of all time, you know, because Johnny really is. I'm I'm going to say that. I know people mightn't necessarily think that, but I bloody think that. I think he's a phenomenal player, and you can see it when I go to the odd training session when I get the odd bit of time, and I won't get much more of that anymore. Um, you know, you can see the intensity which he wants the guys to play out, and then you can see on the pitch what they're doing compared to what they were doing before, the few mistakes they're making. Like, you have to remember, Connock were playing in 30 degree heat today for the first time.
1: Did you hear um, Conor Oliver mentioned that we went from 2 degrees uh, yeah. in, in Edinburgh to, to 30
0: degrees? To 30 degrees. And that, that takes some doing as well. Um, and I'm just looking at, you know, for, for the Sharks. They're, they've got the Dragons next week. And the Dragons are, are currently beating um, the Ospreys uh, 13 points to 5. Um, so, you know, you've got a situation where the Sharks might have been looking at Connacht. Yeah, we should beat Connacht. They're, they're the worst of the Irish team. Yeah, we should beat Dragons. Now they're going to be playing against the Dragons team who might have come down with another win and are going to be hard and nuggety and whatever. So the Sharks could be in even bigger trouble. But I don't think they will. I think the Sharks are going to pile on somebody. I think some of those passes are going to start sticking sooner rather than later. They're changing what they're doing. They're changing the way they play. And it's slowly but surely getting there. It just meant a very, very determined Connacht defence today.
1: Don't lose sight of the fact, folks, that there's a haves and have-nots in this league, William. Uh, isn't it fair to say? Because I look at the league table here. Uh, Ulster, Edinburgh, Bulls, Leinster, Munster could all be either ahead of us or within a point of us. I haven't mentioned Glasgow. Throw them into the mix there. And that's eight teams. That's what the playoffs, folks. Uh, so that leaves us with uh, certain DHL stormers uh, who reached last year's final on the outside looking in. No guarantees. Every point, win Connacht have got right now, they need even to make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, you do. I mean... I kind of feel there's probably maybe 10 teams chasing eight places. There's some teams I don't think are going to get there. I don't think any of the Welsh teams will. I think it'll just get too hard for them. Uh, Zebre won't, although they keep getting stuck in and they got a good draw uh, the other night, last night. Um, but yeah, you you want to be in or around it now. If, if I'm honest, Connacht have now won four games. To me, they have to win another seven. To be competitive, um, they have two heavy home games coming: Leinster and then Munster on New Year's Day. After that, the remaining four home games are really winnable. So, if you could win eight games out of nine at home, you really only need three wins to get into the top eight. It's 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 really a sliding scale system. They could do with picking up a few bonus points at some stage. Um, but at the moment, it's all just about the wins. Can I just add as well that Cully Tucker is a huge part of this setup. Yeah. he's been here for a couple of years. I actually think, um, I think he has grown into his role, and I think the players really trust him. In terms of what he tells them, uh, they believe it.
1: Just that Alan mentioned in the notes, and just about his link to Sean O'Brien, and you just, I just even when I mentioned the commentary, I suddenly went, "Oh yeah." Cully had a huge impact last year and he's still doing this thing possibly with a little bit of pressure less pressure in terms of all the stuff around them that's doing the other stuff
0: Yeah if you go back you know for, and for folks if, if um, we, we do put out a lot more podcasts than these free ones that we do straight after the match a couple of weeks ago Cully Tucker was the coach up and he talked about the scrummaging and I think we spent ten minutes talking about scrummaging, and he just kept talking about loving scrummaging and how much he loves the scrummaging. And you have to love the scrummaging. And you can see the likes of Finlay has come back and is just straight back into it, and the doors doing it. And you know, um, um, Dennis Buckley, who must be one of the is the best loose head scrummaging prop that has never got capped for Ireland uh, in my book, um, and and possibly could possibly make it in there at some point in the near future. But you have to look at that and go. Yeah, Cully's loving what he's doing. He's so much more relaxed when he's talking to the media. He's so much more relaxed out there, yeah. and you can see that the team Connacht are just not under pressure in the scrum anymore compared to where they used to be three, four years ago.
1: And they're not under pressure in the management group because they, uh, you know, the, the the work is is being devolved into different minds, and you you want to sign up for five euro a month plus VAT to Craggy Rugby and listen to all the audio that we're able to bring you because of Connex brilliant media strategy that allows us to talk to so many people If you do that, you're going to hear how many different players reference different coaches every week. Mm. It's not just the same guy coming up. I've heard every single coach that we've mentioned here referenced by a player this season already. If that doesn't tell you about a management team that's functioning, God, we sound so positive. Can I just say something just before we go? The funniest moment of my season so far is referee Craig Evans leaning into Henro Jacobs and Peter Dooley and trying to lift the two of them up in the scrum (laughs) because they were falling down. That is a first in world rugby. I've never seen that before. Before, and uh, then he said, "Use the collect as the as the scrub collapse." Uh, actually, I will say this: I like Craig Evans as a ref. Uh, like, I'm not going to overanalyze him. Someone do yeah, this uh, going No, oh, he's used. I thought he did a good job.
0: Today. I think we've won my if I'm right. I think we've won five times and lost twice with him refereeing, and three of them were away from home. But uh, you know, I'm only saying. I, I, I don't know where these stats the come from. Yeah, they just happen to be there. Look. One of the reasons, folks, we didn't talk much about the game was there wasn't much to talk about. <laughs> Which is why we've talked about everything else about, you know, what's positive going on in Connacht Rugby these days.
1: Yeah, just but do, don't forget the swings and momentum. So O'Brien yeah. gets a try, Sharks dominate, five visits 22 in the first half, one try One try from a six... A f- Six visits, one try, five knock ons. So, like, that's the kind of game it was. Yeah, but
0: forced knock ons.
1: Forced knock ons. There was one tackle between uh, Buckley and Keane Prendergast that forced yep. a knock on. It was a smash hit. Uh, second half, there was just those moments. And everyone remembered him who watched it, but we picked them out. Robertson McCoy with a great carry that got us on the front foot. About three moments from David Hawkshaw, most important one, sliding back to save, uh, mm-hmm. save the ball on halfway, which was so, so important. And any one of nine of Sean O'Brien's multiple tackles uh, you could pick out as being critical. Lots of other little nuggets all coming from the energy that the bench brought. I think that sums up most of the highlights, doesn't it? I think it does. And a and huge kick.
0: And, and, and people want to know where Connor are this year compared to last year. Keane Prendergast is playing just as good as he did last year. It's just that everybody else is playing up near his level these days as well. What do you reckon, William? Is there anyone else we've missed?
2: No, I don't think so. I think Tiernan O'Halloran has, has, has upped his game this season. He might. I, I won't like what happened with that try. I don't actually think he could have stopped it, no. but he should have kept going. Uh, but maybe by stopping he was trying to get the referee to think about the knock-on which but it was looked at a few times I I couldn't tell and I, I would it, it, it's hard to tell so the TMO looked at it and said no um, but I, I, I think overall there is a lift and there's a lift in trust but I'll come back again and say it this is what happens when you win games as you say they've only lost three games this year effectively
0: in the, in the URC, to the
2: in, in the yeah, we did. We, we but everyone forgets about that.
0: We don't want to talk about the
2: Newcastle. Game. No, we don't talk about Newcastle. Uh, I don't think that'll turn up in the Champions Cup this year. I think it'll be quite simple: win your two home games and try to get something away. But even ten points, you're going to have to put bonuses in in those games. Yeah. But they'll be completely different types of games to the URC, mm-hmm. um, and it's great to have them. And it's also two Friday night games, which is no harm because everything else is on a Saturday. And I think the place will be absolutely rocking for both of them. Uh, Leinster, we're hearing, is uh, nearly sold out. So um, I think you'll discover that uh, Bordeaux might be a bit easier to pick up a ticket for. But I'll tell you, I'd say Bristol with Pat Lamb coming back in January. That's a Christmas present idea for you now. If you want to start talking to um, your family and say, what would you like? I don't want another 10 pairs of socks. I want a ticket for the Bristol game.
1: And do you know what else you could get them? A subscription to patreon.com forward slash Craggy Rugby and listen to all these amazing audio. Because if your if your loved one is a huge rugby fan, what more do they want than to fill their week with loads of audio? I'm selling. I'm selling hard here.
0: Absolutely, it's connect audio. We're we're, we're particularly biased, but there's a reason for that. You know. Yeah. There's you know some. Partisan, some, some of Allen,
1: not biased. We partisan, call it. We call okay. it evenly. Yes.
0: We'll partisan. call
1: it as it is, and we we'll get, focus and, on. Connect. And for the
0: most part, we get our stats right. <laughs> that's it folks
1: <laughs> so it's it's five wins yeah loose cut it loose break out or nothing changes sad and
4: confused don't wait until you